The Last Word with Matt Cooper. To talk about the rugby, we're joined by Kean Tracy from the Irish Independent and former Munster star Duncan Casey, who's a columnist with the Irish Examiner. Now, Kean, is there any clarity as to whether the hand injury that James Ryan suffered in the defeat of Scotland last Saturday evening was the same hand which had caused him problems going into the game, or was actually the other one? I'm uh, pretty sure it was the other one actually Matt um, which kind of just sums up how unfortunate it was he seemed to just get caught under a player um, as he was making a tackle um, which is yeah just really unfortunate the official line from the IRFU today is that James Ryan that the injury is um, better than they thought which doesn't really say much if you think it was a serious injury in the first place so he's gone to see a specialist which is not usually good news but obviously there's no kind of official um, results from the meeting of that yet. So um, Ireland are due to train tomorrow. I think you'll have a better sense then. They've actually moved their team announcement forward by a day as well, which is quite interesting. Normally that would be on a Thursday, but they're actually going to do it on Wednesday now. So that would suggest maybe that they are pretty encouraged by the injury list because, of course, it wasn't just James Ryan who picked up a knock at the weekend. Indeed. Let's go through that injury list before we get into some more detailed analysis. Uh, the players who weren't available for last Saturday night, Robbie Henshaw and Keith Earls. Hamstrings can be notoriously difficult. So is there going to be an element of gambling if they're both kept in the squad? Uh, yeah, you would say so. They're two guys who've had history with hamstring injuries as well. I mean, at last week's squad announcement on Thursday, Andy Farrell basically said that he was expecting Robbie Henshaw to be out for two weeks minimum. And then the following day at the captain's run, the day before the game, you had Robbie Henshaw out running and um, taking a limited part in the training session. So that was definitely encouraging. So perhaps similar to James Ryan, that's not as serious as they first feared. Uh, we actually spoke to Keith Earls earlier today. Um, he just had a little setback last week, but he's back running now again and is expected to train fully tomorrow as well. So I think there'll be less of a risk there. But of course, if you're going to put either of them on the bench, possibly as the 23rd man, I think you'd want to be pretty sure that they're going to be able to last because if one of the centres or a winger was to pick up an early injury, then they're going to have to get through plenty of work. And then what about the two wingers who both had to come mm. off injured? Is there more concern maybe about Mac Hansen than there would be about James Lowe's eye? Yeah, I, I think so. But again, certainly the, the soundings I was hearing this morning before we had the press conference was that um, both wingers, James Lowe and Mac Hansen, were actually pretty positive. They've pulled up well. I mean, we never really got any clarity. There, there could have been a case that Mac Hansen might have even picked up a bit of cramp because obviously he went off for the HIA, which he passed. Then he came back onto the pitch, so maybe something just tightened up as opposed to a pull in his calf. So James James Lowe had lost vision in his eye, um, Andy Farrell said. A real freak kind of incident. It looked like Ty Burns' finger ended up going in there accidentally, but by about a half an hour after the game, his vision was back as well. So um, the soundings are definitely positive on Lowe and Hansen, which is... Just as well, really, because those two guys are so important to Ireland's game plan, especially for a game like this against New Zealand. Duncan Casey, what does it say about the strength and conditioning of the Irish team that we've had so few injuries uh, throughout this campaign? Well, obviously, they've done a very good preparation, Matt, and obviously these are all athletes at the very peak of their physical conditions. I guess you have to accept that there's a bit of luck involved as well. Um, obviously, there's a few names added to that uh, cause for concern list now as Kean has just gone through. And ultimately, that's what happens when you're playing games back-to-back, week-on-week. Um, it's an unusual 
format for rugby because even in the Six Nations you're only ever playing two games uh, in a row um, consecutively without a break so I think there's an element of good fortune there but you can kind of start to see uh, things creaking a little bit with regard to how durable everyone is and that's not just an Irish thing that's across the board as well people are starting to drop and that's kind of one of the interesting dynamics that you can't really predict as you go into the business end of the competition and you just have to adapt to it. Um, Ireland are fortunate in the sense that they're such a well-oiled machine now that regardless of who has slotted in and out in the last four weeks or five weeks actually, um, they've been just as effective and just as clinical as as anyone who they've come in to replace. So we're in a very good position and I think even if we are to lose a couple of bodies over the next couple of weeks, which is probably inevitable, uh, I don't think that will affect uh, this side's confidence in any way. There was one of the things that was noticeable at one stage in the first half, Duncan, that when Stuart McCloskey came into inside centre and Bundiaki moved to outside centre and Gary Ringrose ended up on the wing, and yet there was no fear amongst the Irish team about playing the pre-planned back moves as if they had done all the work with players being out of position when they were doing them. Yeah, you do have to prepare for every eventuality. And while you know, I, I'm sure Gary Ringrose didn't spend a huge amount of time um, practicing on the wing, and I'd imagine James Gibson Park <laughs> spent less time even on the wing um, when he was preparing during the week. You do have to have a degree of knowledge about everything that's happening around you, uh, be that your own role or the roles of your teammates and particularly in the back line when you have less opportunity to sub in like for like if you do have someone go down with an injury or if you do have to make a tactical decision even temporarily um, like with Mac Hansen going off for a HIA people need to be adapted it's kind of less of a thing in the forwards I guess because you're you're going to have five if not six guys there depending on what way you line up your bench uh, but you would still see that with back rows being able to cover the three positions across the back row as well uh, so again I just think that it reflects the amount of confidence that this team is playing with, how comfortable they are with the system. I guess it also reflects the fact that while what what we're approaching the games with is extremely effective, it's generally speaking not a very complicated game plan. Uh, We're relying on our strengths. We do the simple things very well. Uh, We know how to create space for ourselves and for those around us. And you could see that in particular with the first couple of tries. I mean, there wasn't a whole pile um, unusual to that with the exception of the way Josh van der Fleer stood at the front of that line-out um, ahead of um, Hugo Keenan's first try to start things off. Um, but ultimately, it's simple rugby done extremely well and everyone's getting the detail exactly right and it's the very fine margins that are making the difference. And what I mean by that is, if you look at the first try, James Lowe's try, um, again, it's just a very simple two lines of attack type thing, um, but it shows how Ireland have been able to start creating ball and break the line even when it's slow rock ball. So the ball goes to Peter Romani's hands in that first pot of forwards. He moves it out the back to Johnny Sexton. Caelan Doris and Tyke Byrne are running hard lines off Sexton with Gary Ringrose off the back. And basically, it's, you know, that's something that you see maybe a hundred times in a game and it, there's nothing unusual to it. But rather than knocking off when they're finished running those lines, Tyke Byrne continues on for another couple of metres. He gets a bump on Scottish hooker George Turner, knocks him off balance. He hits the deck. He's now out of the game. Um, Grant Gilchrist, who's outside him, thinks that he's still there and continues to drift out. That creates a dog leg and Gary Ringrose is able to straighten up and power through. So it's just those very subtle margins, those tiny little things that make the difference between creating space and not at this level. And the fact that everyone's so comfortable and familiar with what they're supposed to be doing means you don't have to actually complicate it any more than they currently are. 
Duncan, I'm going to come back to you about the line-out in a minute. But Keen Tracy, talking about players coming in as replacements, we saw the return of Jack Conan the other night. Now, how useful could that be for Ireland? But also, how interesting was it to see that he actually scrummaged at six, that the idea of moving Caelan Doris to six to accommodate Conan at eight seems to have been abandoned? Yeah, it was, Matt. And I've always been kind of wondering why it was Caelan Doris who had to move to six to accommodate Jack Conan, who was an exceptional player as well. But in my mind, Caelan Doris is Ireland's outstanding number eight. I think he was exceptional again at the weekend. And you just want him to have as many involvements as possible. And you're right, Matt, to be able to bring a player like Jack Conan back um, at this stage of the tournament is absolutely massive. I think it speaks volumes for how highly he's valued um, the fact that Andy Farrell and the coaching staff were willing to wait until the final pool game against Scotland for him to be fit he's coming into it really fresh he, he played a key role in Ireland winning the the Grand Slam earlier this year and he's part of what is increasingly a very strong Ireland bench you think that what it's going to come down to this weekend, it, it certainly could come down to an impact from the likes of uh, a Jack Honan or if Robbie Henshaw is fit off the bench because I'm expecting it to be a very, very tight game. And yeah, to, back to your original point, I think it's very, very encouraging that Caelan Doris is the one who's left at number eight. Now, the line Duncan, and it seems that James Ryan was dropped in response to the difficulties in the game against South Africa. Ian Henderson came in and of course Dan Sheehan was back as the starting hooker. What improved in the lineout as far as you're concerned as a former hooker? I think uh, there were simple options taken. Uh, there wasn't anything too complicated to it. And uh, I think as a hooker, I always appreciated when the options were as simple as possible. Um, it was obvi- I, th- I think there was a few different moving parts here and I wouldn't put it solely down to James Ryan being off and Ian Henderson being back in. I think Dan Sheehan um, is now kind of up to speed again, having been out for a while and probably um, you know taking a, a small bit of time to get familiar and comfortable with everything again. And uh, ultimately, I, I think... There, there can be a tendency to overcomplicate lineouts, and that's cer- certainly something during my career in Munster that um, the likes of Paul O'Connell would have tried to avoid. Ultimately, the lineout was always seen as as a way to restart the game, uh, and yes, a means of imposing yourself on the opposition. But um, y- you can you can get carried away by I guess overanalyzing the lineout in a way that you can't necessarily overanalyze other areas of the pitch. And I think that a reversion to simpler options and uh, a reliance on doing things quickly um, and effectively it was probably what we saw an improvement on on Saturday great to get 100% at the line out the first time that's happened in quite a while and it has been a cause for concern I think we were we were averaging about 75% over the previous few weeks if you brought the world uh, the warm up games into uh, the equation as well so I think that will give everyone a lot of confidence it, it looked like People, uh, people's nerves were settled and I think obviously going into the latter stage of the competition having a rock solid set piece in particular a rock solid line out because you're going to have more of them than scrums um, is fundamental to being able to launch any kind of meaningful attack over the course of a game so really encouraging but to be honest I didn't see I didn't see a huge difference in it Matt I think everything was just executed that bit better a bit sharper with, uh, with a reversion to more simpler calls Duncan Casey from the Irish Examiner, Keen Tracy from the Irish Independent, thank you both. It was a terrific weekend of rugby, not just our beating Scotland, but 
watching Portugal get their last minute victory against Fiji yesterday was definitely one of the highlights of the tournament and if only Samoa could have done that little bit better losing by one point to England anyway we'll have lots to talk about later in the week we've reached the quarterfinal stage and we'll start our build up on Wednesday when we have the Irish team announced to play against New Zealand The Last Word with Matt Cooper weekdays from 4.30 Today F-